Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gonzo Bible Study. With me today is lead pastor of Grace Life Church, Rodney Cripps. We uh, are very kind to have Pastor Cripps on today to talk to us about grace in the modern era. And uh, Pastor Cripps, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate being here, Robert, and uh, looking forward to our time together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, interacting with uh, Pastor Cripps numerous times uh, out in public, and then he was kind enough to bring me into their wonderful place of worship today and kind of show me around. Beautiful education facility you have going. And we, ah, we thank you. Our, our goal is to make disciples and educate and uh, be prepared to interact with the world. So. That's awesome. And starting with the very youngest of us. Which starting is... with the young. We think the best place to start is when they're born. So uh, <laughs> That's right. Our goal is to spiritually shape kids, then spiritually shape youth, and then make disciples and make disciples for our adults. Oh, that's definitely a biblical viewpoint as far as that goes. <laughs> Listen to the children. We think it makes sense. <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. Well, um, as we are here at Grace Life Church here in Pineville, um, it's right there in the name. So, Grace. Yes, we like Grace. We're pro. We're pro Grace. Pro Grace. Uh, our name comes from uh, both Grace and Life, and so Grace and Life are both are important to us. Um, life, of course, focuses on on the eternal life aspect, which uh, every church should have that focus on. But then Grace is unique, and so we talk about Grace. There's a lot of misnomers, misconceptions about what what Grace is and how it's applied, and so. We're very passionate about the clarity of grace, the clarity of the grace message, and uh, to have a biblical response to grace. No, that's that's awesome. We, um, as most people have listening to the podcast, are searchers and seekers, and you know we we often reach out to marginalized community communities and all that. I know in your mission statement of your church, I watched the video earlier uh, this week that you. You definitely promote that you want to be inclusive of all races, all genders, all types of people and all that, and extending the hand of grace to the community in which you're working. And so if you wouldn't mind, speak a little bit more about the position that you're here in Pineville and the interaction with the community that you have. Sure. Uh in Pineville, it's a it's a mill town. Uh, we had a weaving mill to about 1990, and and traditionally, if you've done research on mill towns, they are um, very closed. Uh, you you worked at the mill all around Pineville are mill houses. Uh, the houses on the corners were where the managers stayed, and those were about 1,200 square feet. And the houses in the middle where the employees stayed, and those were around eight to 900 square feet. Uh, you you made your money at the mill. You. Uh, uh, got got paid to go to the grocery store. You could do it in a gro- uh, a mill grocery store. And about the only place that anyone had any sort of powers at the church. And so often, in a mill church, it was a little bit more challenging for a pastor. And a lot of that's changed over the years as Pineville's expanded. Um, uh, Pineville's become much more uh, ethnically balanced. And I use the word ethnicity rather than races. Uh, we believe that we're supposed to be culturally diverse, and it's not based upon race. It's based upon ethnicity or backgrounds. And and here at Grace Life, we have uh, individuals that come from, I think it's 11 different countries, 39 different states, um, all shades and colors. Uh, in our worship, uh, we have uh, a Spanish ministry, Latino ministry, and, and so we'll have scripture reading or even some songs in Spanish, even though the majority of our congregation may not be Spanish. That doesn't matter. We want to integrate rather than segregate. And so we worship together. Um, in our community, we've done a, a number of things just to reach out. We have a, uh, a nursing home and, and rehabilitation center right down the road. And we've, at different times, we've adopted every resident there. We've uh, done a mentoring program with Pival Elementary School, which is also right across the street. Uh, and try to find numerous ways just to share 
uh, actions of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, our vision is to create an environment of grace where people are brought into a life-changing relationship with Christ. And before you can ever tell them about grace, you have to show it. And people can see grace. They can see kindness before they ever know what it is. Yeah. Well, I've definitely experienced that, and not only with my day-to-day interactions with you, but just, just in the simple way that you greeted me today. You came you came out to me in the parking lot. You greeted me with a firm handshake. It was a, it was a beautiful, welcoming thing. I, I knew that I was in the presence of a brother in Christ, and I, I felt that as soon as, as soon as I got here today. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I want people to understand is that, you know, part of the reason that we wanted to have Pastor Cripps on here on the Gonzo Bible Study is he is someone that is a faith-based minister that is bringing grace straight from the Word of God, and not only in verbal presentation, or in theatrics, but also in the very work of grace. Um, if you wouldn't mind, sir, let's dive into the Word a sure. little bit and kind of teach us about that Word of grace. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned on something. I, our goal is to share grace in a gracious manner. And so there may be other groups that, that talk about grace and people that talk about grace, but when you do so, it's, it's often angry. Uh, we sometimes call them angry gracers. They share the <laughs> grace message with a, an angry attitude. Uh, and condemn, and that's not that's not our goal. Our goal is to understand what grace is, and so I'm going to break it down to, to a couple of areas just just briefly, and and, and look at a, a passage of scripture. But there is a, a grace in how a person is uh, is saved, how a person is justified, how a person is redeemed, uh, and then there's grace in their spiritual walk, as in uh, their discipleship. We might call it sanctification. So there's there's grace in an entrance into the kingdom, if you will. Then there's grace. Uh, as believers as we live. And so uh, there has to be grace in both aspects. Um, I think Ephesians chapter 2 is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And uh, verses 1 through 10 really talk about this this idea. Paul is the author. Uh, He's writing this letter. He's writing from prison. Uh, The first three chapters of Ephesians really focus on uh, how a person enters the kingdom. In the last three chapters, talk about how a believer lives their lives in unity in the community of faith. And so in chapter 2, the author Paul, he's in prison. He's, he's writing to this church in Ephesus, which uh, he's very passionate about this church. He's, he's trained the elders there. He lived there for three years. Um, right before he, he went to prison, he was uh, on his way to Jerusalem. He met with the elders. They prayed with him. They wept with him. He sent Timothy later back to uh, be with this church. And so he writes them, and in chapter 2 he talks about who they were before their faith in Christ. And a lot of times we have to understand who we, who we were or who we are. Uh, and so in the first three verses, um, Paul highlights the wretchedness of any, anyone who's not placed their faith in Christ, any unbeliever. Um, and he's talking to believers and he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Trespasses, wrong things. Dead means there is no life. Um, and he says, before your faith in Christ, you walked uh, according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, uh, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And, and basically, Paul is saying, hey, before your faith in Christ, you didn't know God. You followed the ways of the world, which is ultimately follow the ways of the prince of the power of the air, which is, is Satan. And to put it in a crude way, you were basically a son of the devil. And that's a, a harsh way to say it, but if, if, you're, if you don't have life, you, you're not part of God. You are part of death. He says you were dead. There was no life in you. Then he even goes in verse 3 and says, And because you were dead, you followed uh, your flesh. He said that you uh, lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So he highlights that that as, a, as an individual, we bring nothing to the table to God. There's, there's not enough good works we can do to uh, appease God. There's not a, enough bad things we can't do to appease God. There's not enough money we can give. There's, there's nothing that the individual brings to the table to appease God. So in verse 4, he says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. So it highlights what God's role is and really begins to bring this idea of grace up. Verse 5 says, Because even when you, you were dead in your transgressions, through Christ he made us alive. And then he says, By grace you've been saved. The word grace means unmerited favor. It's getting something you don't deserve that's good. You get something you don't deserve and it's bad. That's not grace. It's getting something you, you don't deserve and it's good. And the thing about grace is, is grace is not based upon the receiver. It's not based on you getting something. Grace is all about the giver. So I can give you grace... You not receive it as grace, but it's still grace. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the person that's giving it, the attitude that there's nothing expected in return, that it's a free gift. And so Paul's saying that Christ has this free gift that he wants to give us. It's, it's a gracious gift, and he's already, he's already paid for the gift. Go to verse, skip over to verse 8 and 9, and that famous passage in Scripture, For by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of the result of works, so that anyone may boast. And it reminds these believers in Ephesus that they had their salvation. They were justified. They were redeemed, not based on anything they did, but based on the grace of God. They merely believed, trusted in the object of their salvation, which is Jesus Christ. They believed that Jesus was who he said that he was. Uh, he was God, that he did what he said that he did. He died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and that he can give you what he said he can give you which is the free gift of eternal life. And through that simple belief, that trust, uh, Paul says you were transformed. And that is a gracious gift that if it's a gift, you can't give it back. Uh, You can never lose it because it's not based on you. It's all based on the receiver. Uh, So grace is immensely powerful. So it's not only grace in our how we receive salvation, but it's grace in how we live our salvation. So if you did nothing to earn eternal life, and you could do nothing to lose it, then we should be free to share grace and the joy of our eternal life. Be gracious in our actions. Absolutely. Absolutely. As as the general public um, approaches it, and we have non-believers that are listening, sure. when we present them with the, the word of grace, and like, yes, but it seems like, a, it seems like an interaction, or it seems like some form of well, I've got to sit here and listen to this in order to receive this. When we're when we're presenting the grace as a gift, and when we're presenting it as simply something we can offer them of hope, you know, the the, the grace that we simply put forward and not requiring anything of it, anybody. And ex- explain how the the faith that we invest in our fellow man simply by presenting grace actually is supposed to work because that's a lot of it we're asking people to have faith in jesus christ whom they never known in order to receive the favor of god but we simply need to offer them the favor of god in our humble way so that we can lead them to faith and that's you know understanding that uh if if the plan is all god's it's god's Mm -hmm. perfect plan it's done in the perfect way um i realize even as a pastor i have apps i do no saving i i have no part of the salvation process god just uh, he says that your role is to be a witness. Right. And so I testified to, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me as far as I know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And if I go back to the Word of God, which I believe is truth, it's it's based on reality, uh, then that's what I share, and I want to do it in a gracious way. So 
I'll just share with you how we, we kind of do it here at Grace Life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when when we present, when we teach on a Sunday morning, we usually go through books of the Bible, verse by verse, passage by passage. Um, so we get things in context. We understand what's happening culturally. Um, and, and some things that we shy away from. It's, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying right. things that we shy away from. is when we present the gospel, we present the word, uh, we don't have these these uh, these pleas of uh, uh, choose now heaven or hell. Uh, sometimes called hellfire and brimstone messages. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes that can be more of an individual than it than it can be what the word actually says. Uh, or we think that we have to become passionate, make the word passionate, so we become extraordinarily passionate. Mm -hmm. um, and so we don't even have uh, altar calls at our church. So okay, uh, an altar call basically started around 1900 and and. Uh, the whole purpose really was to convince people uh, to make them feel bad enough to make a decision. Right. And then they, they come forward to a, a preacher or pastor, and then that makes everybody feel good. And and for me, um, I found out that altar calls, either I felt really good because people came forward, I felt really bad because people didn't, and mm -hmm. I had to realize it had nothing to do with me. Right. So in a gracious offer, um, it's amazing. Whenever you just present truth, and you allow the truth to soak in. You you answer questions when they come up. That there's nothing we need to do. And I can I can tell you story after story. I had a, uh, a young girl. I think she was eight years old. Uh, she handed her mother a note, and it just said, "Hey, I, I trusted in Christ." And she said, "Okay, when did that happen?" She goes, "I was watching TV." She goes, "What do you mean you were watching TV?" She goes, "I don't know. I was." Just sitting there and thought, you know, I need to, I need to trust Jesus, and so I did. Amen. And it really bothered the mother because she said, I didn't get to talk to her. I didn't get to go put her in front of a pastor. She didn't yeah. get to walk an aisle. She just believed in Jesus Christ. And right. I said, Well, that's really the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's a personal connection. Yes, it's a personal investment in Christ. We don't have to convince. We just tell the truth. Right. And then we get out of the way. Well, that's biblical. The word does not return void. I mean, if you put the word out there, it is going to present grace in the fashion in which each individual needs to receive it. Yeah. You know, God put it there, so it's there for everyone. It's not just there for the people who are raised in discipleship programs, who make sure they go all three services a week or all umpteen services a week. It's God is ever present with us, no matter where we're at, so that the message of grace can save us from our from ourselves. Yep. Yeah. That's perfect. And, you know, it's... It's also interesting. I think a lot of uh, uh, churches, what we see today, um, are sometimes you have a, a service that's presented towards the non-believer. And what I mean by that is, is the church, the word literally means a group of believers. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we go to church, it, it's not the outside world. No. It's, it's believers who are coming to be discipled, to, to gather together for teaching and training, and sharing the gospel, sharing the grace news is sharing the truth that you've learned on a Sunday morning or in a discipleship class and taking it out in the world. And so we need grace and the message, not just on a Sunday morning to believers, but it's it's to train us to go out into the world, to interact with others, to be gracious. Yes. So what we're doing, what we see each other doing, uh, what, what we do out in the world, that's where we share grace. Yeah, it's not the facility that we're sitting in today that is making this church. It's where two or more believers are gathered together we're sharpening one another. Yep. We're simply sitting here and sharing grace and fellowship with one another in order to present the grace message to the world. That's yep. brilliant. I, mean, I love the work that you're that you're engaged in. It's biblical. It's the way God founded the Word. You know, it's been there since the beginning. So if we simply present it as it was meant to be presented, 
with the word that's in the page. Like you said, you go verse for verse, chapter for chapter, because the word is where it is at. It's not, you know, that's part of the reason the slogan for the Gonzo Bible study is read the word, ride the ride. Yeah. That's the whole point is it's what's on the page. Yeah. You know, I, I, I often have, I've used the term textualist a few times because that's how I was raised. I was raised in a home where the Bible, as it was written, no matter which translation you pick up, as long as it's the word of God and the authentic word of God, it has a solution to any problem. You know, it's just in the scripture, it says, you know, he who is seeking wisdom, ask and he will be given wisdom of God. And there's not a better source of wisdom than the word of God, the way it is presented. And, you know, it does come down to truth and what you believe to be true, what, what is reality. And truth always corresponds to reality. So when we say that the Bible and his word is the truth, it's that we believe that this is reality. It corresponds to reality. And, and if it's truth and what it says guides our lives. And a lot of what we do with our interactions uh, during the week is we're coming across individuals who may not believe this to be true. Right. And so our goal is to uh, try to share what we believe is truth, try to answer some questions. And then when a person begins to say, you know what, I think this is true, then what the words say is true. Then you go to a simple passage like John 3.16 and go, okay, if I believe in him, I will not perish, but I will have everlasting life. I can trust that truth because it's part of the truth mm -hmm. that uh, that we have before us. So awesome! It it really it's it's fun. It's 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 an energizing truth to acknowledge. Um, that's one of the things where you know I've had other non-believers approach me and be like, "Yeah, but what if you're wrong?" And I'm like, "I'm not, but." If I am, so what? I spent my life invested in a belief system that gave me nothing but hope and grace. What's wrong with that? Well, and you, you know, we, we often use the phrase, what, what's logical and reasonable? Is it logical or reasonable to believe that no truth exists? Or if truth exists, then probably our goal should be to try, and, try to find the truth source. Where does that truth come from? Mm -hmm. Just think about the morality, for example. I, you can go to just about any country in the world, and uh, if I were to get a young infant child, and I wouldn't do this, by the way, but if I had a young infant child and I were to bash the infant child's head against a rock, mm -hmm. most cultures would say, that's wrong. Right. Then we go, that is morally, objectionally wrong. And you have to ask the question, where does that come from? Right. Where does that truth idea come from that that is wrong? And that's what we should be seeking. There has to be a true source for that morality. There has to be. Mm -hmm. And as we seek that, it has to come from somewhere. And I would share with that individual um, you believe in the truth, so let's let's talk about that. Right. Because I believe it's logical and reasonable to believe that Jesus is true and His Word is true, and uh, that's what I'm holding to. What are you holding to as far as what your true source is? Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, that that's the brilliant way to put it. Is if you have a guiding source, so we'll use the compass analogy. The compass only works because there's a true north for it to point towards. Right. So if your morality is that compass that guides your life and everything, where is it pointed? Yeah. You know, if you're if you're guiding your true north by the author of deception, then you're headed south, thinking you're going north the whole time. And wouldn't you want to know if you were wrong? Exactly. Now that's a great question to ask somebody. If you were wrong, would you want to know? And I've come across people who say, no, I don't. Right. Ignorance is bliss, that, yes. old, that old mentality. And, and, and that's, that's not a person that, that usually I invest a lot of time in because, mm -hmm. A, they're not seeking and they don't have a need. Right. They're even kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in sales, you always go to the person who, man, I, I need to sell or I want to keep growing. 
the person who goes, no, I, I really am happy with selling five cars a day. That's that's all I need. I don't want to sell more than that. Okay, we'll yeah. move on to the next person. And and that's not a cruel thing. That is investing our time as we interact with others in the greatest way possible. Right. The most efficient way. Well, you know, we are stewards of the word. We are we are supposed to use it in the most efficient way possible. And you know, we give grace to all, but at the same time, you don't want to get bogged down in someone that doesn't want to receive grace. Yeah. You know, that to a certain extent, we I know we both have interacted with people that have shut themselves off to the word of grace. Sure. You know, we, we have mutual friends that at times are completely stonewalling the simple acceptance of a grace and a truth um, in moments of vulnerability. They'll acknowledge it, but they don't want to simply receive it. Well, and in those cases, our goal is then is just to love them as Christ loves us and mm-hmm. to share grace and to be gracious in our actions, to to be a friend, to continue to encourage, and you know, to realize that at the right time, God, God will move, God will convict. He's He's in control of the process. It's His plan. I'm just going to share love and grace, and not worry about it. Yeah. Well, that's that's all we can do is is simply continue the work of grace. And that's you know that was there again. The reason I wanted to come in here and and sit down with you today was simply to emphasize the importance of that work of grace, because that was the message of Christ. No matter what humanity has done with the message of Christ throughout the centuries, it was all about love and grace. Yeah. That was his message. If you look at all of the acts and all the miraculous things that occurred, it was he presented grace to a person by healing their affliction, and then said. Go and sin no more. Go and go and live a better life because now you're no longer afflicted. Yeah. But he healed them first. He presented grace first and then said, hey, if you don't want to get bogged down in the mire again, here's how to do it. But he didn't chase them down, slapping them on the back of the head saying, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> and I feel like the church has kind of gotten away from that. We've forgotten in a lot of ways that we are supposed to be loving, grace-filled individuals and present that to the world. And Thank you for being one of the ambassadors of grace. It, you know. it, it's easy to be an ambassador of grace when you're overwhelmed with grace and you realize um, how much grace you've received yourself. Yeah. And uh, uh, if if we have a if I have a problem with with becoming full of myself, I just need to go back and realize, man, alive, I'm overwhelmed with grace. I can't believe it. What uh, what God has graced me with and the grace that I've received from others. Uh, and my response should be, man, I just I have to share that with others. I have to. If you don't mind, uh, get into some of your personal story of grace, if you don't mind. If you can, your testimony. Sure. Uh, man alive. I, uh, I grew up in a, in a church that was probably a little bit more um, legalistic. It was a Southern Baptist denomination. I, I enjoyed that denomination. But the, the denomination itself at the time was probably more known by what they didn't like than what they mm-hmm. what they did. It was, uh, you know, Disney boycotts. Uh, you can't do this. You can't do that. And, and that's really what the church, I think, has become today. It's a place where it seems like to the world, you're telling the world, don't do this, don't do that, mm-hmm. instead of sharing love and grace. Um, I, uh, you know, I placed my faith in Christ when I was six, and that was young, but, and it just made sense to me. I think for individuals who grew up in a household that had a, a believing mother and father and, and that maybe pointed them mm-hmm. to Christ at an early age, to say it was natural is, is probably too simple, but uh, it's it was just natural for me to believe. Yeah. It was just natural. I had a, a friend of the family, that, uh, my mother's, that had passed away, and I can just remember asking my mother, you know, hey, uh, did she go to heaven or in course? And so I asked some questions, and um, I, I can't really tell you the day I believe, but uh, I know that I did, and um, that's when I 
had eternal life. But, you know, though I received grace and I, and I was justified and that, that lasts forever, it's probably my experience of grace and sanctification that's really overwhelmed me so that I realized that, that what I got, the grace I received in my justification, is so much more than what I knew when I was six. Uh, I mean, there's just been a lot of things in life that you look back on and you go, wow, I'm going through some personal challenges and, and uh, you know, in life, you, this bumps in the road and, and, and to realize that you're held up by grace. Now, I can remember uh, when I was in seminary, I was reading through the book of Romans and probably when grace hit me the most, was it a funny thing? It was going through uh, something that I've been taught for years called the Roman Road to Salvation. I never quite understood why we did it, but we memorized it. We wrote it down uh, in our Bible and said, go to this page, go to that page. And I was in a seminary that was teaching how to go through the Bible verse by verse and passage by passage, expository teaching. And uh, I got to Romans, I think it was 623, and I just got mad and I threw my Bible uh, across the room. Mm. And I uh, was just mad because it didn't make any sense. Uh, and I'll kind of share with you this Romans road thing, if you're not familiar. Usually it starts with Romans 3.23, and, and we, we quote that as we're supposed to share with someone who we're not sure if it's a believer, and we go, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And then we go to Romans 6.23. 6.23 is, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm-hmm. Then we go back to Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love towards us, and why we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Then we move to Romans 10.9 and 10, where if you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And and uh, it didn't make sense to me because it went from 3.23 to 6.23, 5.8 to Romans 10, 9, and 10. And I would never read a book going from chapter 1 to chapter 6, back to chapter 5, and then on to chapter 10. Right. And what frustrated me, what made me so angry, was that for years uh, I had embraced something that was not true because I did not investigate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Romans 3.23, uh, Book of Romans is broken down, chapters 1 through 5 really highlights how we're justified, how we come to faith in Christ. Chapter 6, 7, and 8 highlights our sanctification, how we're supposed to live that faith out. Romans 9, 10, and 11 uh, is specifically written to the nation of Israel. And there's something that Israel needed to do. Romans 12 through 16 is, okay, now that you have faith, how's that lived out in the world? Why does that matter? Well, I got Romans 3, 23. I, I had a need. And if you look through the first five chapters of Romans, it says that need is you need to trust in Christ for righteousness. Mm-hmm. He closes... Uh, Romans 5.20 with that. But in chapter 6, he's addressing our sanctification. And in Romans 6.23, when he says, for the wages of sin is death, he's not talking about spiritual death. He's talking about a physical death. He says, look, if you continue to sin, you will die physically. Thank God you have eternal life. Right. I mean, you get to Romans 9, 10, 9, and 10. I'd been taught to use this method that you needed to walk an aisle or tell someone you were a believer, and that's how everybody, I mean, that's how you became a believer. Mm-hmm. And that's just a lie. Romans 10, 9, and 10 was to the nation of Israel. And it, it goes backwards. It says, well, how can you believe unless you've been told? But the nation of Israel as a whole, until they believe, they can't cry out for God to redeem them as a nation. So they need to be a believer first, and then God will redeem them physically. And so you know, why is that part of my faith journey? Well, when I realized that, I realized I was sharing an unclear message, and I've been sharing um an unbiblical message mm-hmm. of, uh, of salvation because it, it had a work involved in it. And so when we say there's no works in receiving grace, there's nothing I can do to receive grace, earn grace, because then we'd ask the question, well, how much work do you have to do? Um, I mean, let's say I had to walk an aisle. How do I know that I walked the right aisle? Mm-hmm. How do I know I walked it in the, in the right way? Right. How do I know I said the right prayer at the right time? And, and if there's 18 different prayers, how's that one right? 
Um, even phrases that we use, uh, I ask Jesus into my heart is a phrase that I grew up hearing. And that, that's just wrong. That's, I'm not, I don't have to ask God to do anything. I'm trusting in him. And uh, I had, a, had this happen in a class not long ago. I had someone ask the question. They're up for a heart transplant. Literally, it's an adult. And uh, she wanted to know that if she was going to have to have a heart transplant, did she need to have a heart of another believer? Ooh. And you go, oh, wow. No, sweetie, no. Um, that's not what we're talking about. No. And uh, uh, we've been taught for so long in church something that is not true. And so when I was overwhelmed was when I saw the truth in context that blew me away. And I just began to realize that uh, not only had I been sharing a message that was unclear, I want to be as clear as possible, that it is a faith alone in Christ alone, by His grace alone. It's all God. It's His process. And uh, in His grace, He saved me. In His grace, He allows me to share with others. In His grace, I'm just overwhelmed. And um, that's really the message that I desire to share is the grace of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Wow, that's that's amazing. So she she had just gotten fixated on the idea that literally God was, ha or Jesus's relationship with her was housed in her very heart, in her organ. So, oh man. And and if, if we're using, and it's like, was that a bad thing, you know, to say, ask Jesus in your heart? I think it's unclear. Right. Uh, and our goal right. is to be as biblically clear as possible. Absolutely. Uh, and, and in her mindset, she had heard that phrase for so long, she mm -hmm. thought literally Jesus lived in her heart, her physical heart. Right. And um, again, it's taking things in context, looking at language, knowing that usually when hearts used in scriptures, talking about the seed of emotions, right. uh, the essence of who you are. Sometimes the words translated heart, sometimes it's translated bowels. I've never heard anyone say, "Have you asked Jesus into your bowels?" Right. Uh, so, well, no. I mean, especially when you get into something. the Eastern culture, the way they perceive the soul and where that soul is housed and all that, you're literally getting into the the bowels yes. and the you know very much that essence. And so that is a message that was very unclear as it was taken to the Eastern realms of yes. the world, and it's something that we face even here. So grace. Is is the voice in which we need to present the word so that it is a clear word and it's yes. an understood word, and making sure that the religiosity of church doctrine doesn't get in the way of the scripture and of the word of God. So, no, absolutely, and uh, thank you for clarifying that for her and and also just for the general audience that it's when we use a lot of churchy words and things. I, I also have existed in a Southern Baptist church most of my life. My father's a Southern Baptist minister, but he has made sure to be a faith-based minister, which I, I'm pleased. And like you said, it is a natural thing when you're raised in the sanctification of the word. It's, it's natural to be like, no, that, that's, you know, Christ is my home. And the reason I have had a blessed home my entire life is because of the work of grace in Christ yeah. in my life. So my testimony is very much similar to that, that I, you know, being raised in a household of grace, I have always looked to the word or at least learned to look at the word. I've never been perfect. I'm not trying to acknowledge no. that. None of us are. No, and we, all, all the time. we all sin and fall short of the glory. <laughs> let's, let's be real about that. But, the, but when we know that there is a consistency to the work of grace in our lives we have hope to the day-to-day -day and yeah. you know restoring her um has she had her transplant yet Is she's still she, she's, she's actually still on a wait list yeah and, well uh, our prayers go out to her uh definitely and and the continued work of grace in her life as she as she comes through that and has the opportunity 
to get to know a more uh, a relationship with Christ that is free from the confines of her physical body. Because yeah. she's limited God to her physical being in that kind of mentality, I'm afraid. Yes, no. And, and, and once we understand grace, it just frees us. So, I mean, something as simple as, okay, if I did nothing to earn my salvation or, or earn my justification or earn my redemption, it's all the grace of God, then that takes me out of the process of thinking I could do something so bad as to lose it. And I'm sure you've come across the same number of people that I have, tons of them, who, who think that by something they've done in the past or some disappointment they gave their parents or some disappointment they've given to God by some sin or some whatever, that now they've lost something that they had or God's taken it away. Yeah. And that's they just don't understand grace. Well, it's, it's, it's very much like, and like you said, when we go through the Roman road or different passages or different church doctrines where we've cherry-picked different verses to construct an idea, people even get lost in the idea to the I die daily. Yes. You know, that, 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 even that concept that's scriptural, and they're like, oh, but it's in the Word. I'm like, yes, yes but you're taking it out of context. Yeah. You're taking it out of grace. And I think that that is the that is the encouraging word for the for the day in a lot of ways is the fact that the work the work of grace is self sufficient. The grace is what what provides us with the hope of faith and the day the daily pursuit of that grace is not something that we're earning. As far as when I say the daily pursuit of grace, it is something that we are we are striving to share. It's because we're responsible for what you've been given. Exactly, exactly. It's the how do I express the grace that I have been blessed with from the moment of conception on? I have had grace in my life. Now that I'm able to acknowledge it, how do I extend it? And that's you know, uh, you uh, walking on campus. You met our uh, facilities coordinator. Uh, he's a gifted gentleman. But one of the things that we try to take grace to is is everything from okay, it's grace in the message, it's grace in the teaching, it's grace in our community, it's grace in our responses, but it's also grace in our facilities. And so we've unleashed our uh, facilities coordinator. He's a gifted uh, gentleman. Uh, when you come on our campus, our campus has everything from 1950s buildings to 2008, and uh, <laughs> just a hodgepodge. Uh, but he has tied them in through through flowers and just the beauty. We want people, when they come in, to have a gracious look. And then on a Sunday morning, if someone comes here at Grace Life Church, uh, we have parking lot greeters that we want to be gracious when they come in. And, and uh, when they have the door, we want to be able to have seven touches before they ever hit the auditorium because we want to be gracious. We have a, a coffee bar that we, we give everyone a, you know, a cup of coffee if they're a guest or Oh, Frappuccino is fantastic. Uh, but we want to make sure they have something and because we want to have grace from the beginning to the end to the message to the songs so that when they leave, they've experienced grace, whether they understand grace all the way or not. That's awesome. Well, just to kind of plug the church a little bit more, sure. uh, tell people how they can find out more about your ministry and the ministry of Grace sure. Life here. Uh, best way to do it, you can go to, uh, you can find us online at crazygrace.com. That's C-R-A-Z-Y, grace.com. You can also go to... Uh, um, we have an app. It's on the Android, Windows, and Apple Store. It's at Grace Life Pineville. Uh, you can find us there and download the messages and teachings and things, and all that stuff's free. We just try to make it available. We try to be gracious uh, even in, in what we share. So uh, I've enjoyed today. Appreciate your time. And Thank you very much for coming on the Gonzo Bible Study. We, we, we definitely have enjoyed the, the snippet of the message of grace. Obviously, there's hours that could be spent and lifetimes that could be spent in learning the work of grace. Absolutely. But uh, thank you, audience, there for joining us today on the Gonzo Bible Study. Remember to read the word and ride the ride.